0: My father, Gerald S. Robinson, was a writer, a newspaper man, and he lived to be 93 years old. Throughout his life, which included living through the Great Depression, he was always optimistic. His favorite expression was, maybe something good will happen. And often enough, it did. That sunny disposition also reflected his humorous heart. He loved to laugh and make others laugh. It made him easy to be around, and I remember him saying to me, I don't have any enemies as part of his light-hearted approach to life he stayed in touch with his childhood regaling my four brothers and I with his many adventures friends and experiences i was privileged enough to be asked by him to take his life stories written on yellow legal pads and transcribe them into his self-styled autobiography it's called listen to your father and on father's day this seemed appropriate It's a story from his youth that is funny, insightful, and evocative of a time of innocence and trust. As an aside, my dad mentions the term stuccoing in his story. This is a reference to he and his friends leaning against a textured wall so it would leave a funny pattern in your skin. Just a typical kid thing to do. The Boy with the Sewed On Foot by Gerald S. Robinson. One day, I was at the Peninsula Park pool by myself. I don't know where Russell was. It was a hot day, and I was doing what I like to do best. Nothing. Some guys were playing rock, scissors, paper. Some guys were leaning up against the wall, stuccoing. I just liked laying on my back in the hot concrete with my eyes closed in a puddle of warm water that dripped off my swimsuit. If you close your eyes, you can see all sorts of oblique designs on your eyeballs, I don't know what that means, but it was one of my favorite words. Sometimes the little squiggly lines move from the top of your eyeball down to the bottom. Then you quick open your eyes and snap them shut again, and the obliquical figures look different. I like doing that a lot. Sometimes the big kids would bother me to get their handball for them. They'd be playing handball up against the big wall around the pool, and every so often the ball would go into a little hole, maybe a foot square, at the bottom of the wall. Then they'd come over and poke me with their big toe and nag me to go into the hole and get their ball back. I always did, because I could get it in and out of the hole, and they couldn't. And Besides, I wasn't doing much anyway, just studying my eyeballs. I was doing this one day, and I felt a big toe poke me in the ribs. I didn't pay any attention, because I knew what they wanted, so I just pretended to be asleep. Then that toe poked me again, really hard, so I sat up, and it was Milton Bedinsky, my friend in the fifth grade at woodlawn. Sometimes when he wasn't around, kids called him Budinsky. I had not seen Milton all summer, and I said, Hi, Milton. I haven't seen you all summer. And he said, I know it. I haven't been here. I was really glad to see him because we were both good spellers. So I stood up and said, Let's go to a preacher's seat. He said, Okay. We started walking over to the edge of the pool. But I noticed he was walking kind of funny, kind of a limp. "'So we both did a preacher's seat, and we got back out, "'and we walked over, leaning against the wall, "'and he was still limping. "'So I said, "'Why come you're limping, Milton?' "'He said, oh, "'It's because I've got a sewed-on foot. "'You could have knocked me over with a feather. "'I couldn't see any sew marks. i never known anybody with a sewed-on foot either, "'and I thought it was really something. "'Look,' he said, "'and he pushed down on his left foot with his right foot.' And you'd think that if a person did this, that the blood would go away for a minute and then come back and you could see it. But it didn't. So I knew he was telling me the truth. So I asked how it happened. And he said he went to Chicago with his mom and dad and there was a terrible train wreck and his foot got cut off. It was dangling by a little piece of skin and bleeding all over the place. I felt really bad for him, and he said it was okay And now, and the doctors did a really good job on him, and you know he still walked with a limp and couldn't run fast anymore, and you know, play baseball or tag. He was going to be okay. I tried not to stare at it. I couldn't help myself. They did a really wonderful job sewing up on him, and my heart went out to him. And I said, Milton, I have to go home now, but... I have a nickel in my pants pocket in the locker room, and if you like, I'll buy an orange popsicle. As soon as I get my clothes on, you can have half of it, because you, you know popsicles have two sticks. He thought that sounded like a good idea. I went down to the locker room, and Milton limped along behind me, so I walked slow. Then we got dressed, and went right up to the little store near the main entrance, I thought about buying some Necco wafers because I really liked the light brown ones. I also liked the red suckers that were shaped like little red pyramids and the gummy-colored candy that were shaped like hats and you could lick them and they'd stick to your forehead. I thought the popsicle was the best idea. I was good. I could separate the two pieces without touching it with my hands and I did that and gave him his half. He said he had to go home and limped off toward the gate. I had a little time to fool around, so I was feeling pretty good. And I walked over to watch a baseball game. I found a good seat behind the backstop and finished my popsicle and I was getting ready to go home. Then I saw Milton again. He was chasing another kid way out in left field. He was not limping. He was running. I couldn't believe my eyes. So I ran out there and he saw me coming. He just stood there. I went up and confronted him. How come you're not limping, Milton? I said. I thought you were at a sword on foot. I lied to you, sucker, he replied. I was shattered and out half a popsicle. You're a liar, Lichbeck, Milton, I shouted at him. He just walked away. No limp, no shame.